Hey everybody, welcome to Next Planet Over. I know it's been a while. I'm a busy person, so is Rod. Don't push me. Um, <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Busy, busy, busy. Uh, plus, it's always been kind of a sideshow for us. We, 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 in one way or another, it's kind of a carnival too. Uh, we are going to be discussing Sequest <laughs> DSV. So it's the first time in a while that we've done an episode based around one show. So it will be a shorter episode, but it's just trying to get more regular. Uh, I'm eating more fiber, but also trying to schedule shows that are a little bit shorter. <laughs> Trying to get you to watch four shows don't knock, is really don't hard. Don't knock being regular. All right. Um, so Sequest DSV is one of those shows that was hyped so big, and every expect every expected it to be like the big winner for the year. And it's strange is because it debuted fine, but it also debuted literally against Lois and Clark, who schedules two. Uh, I want to say I don't know if Superman really counts as a sci-fi show, but it's in that realm, you know. Who schedules those two brand new shows against each other? We're both very expensive. What kind of dumb, dumb, dumb choice is that? Make one at seven, one at eight. You don't kill each other over it. No. No. Oh, my phone's on. Oh. Turn that off. Fellas. I thought maybe the seventies was calling me. I thought Doctor Who was visiting. Um, Not today. It's it's a curse of a lot of these shows, though, is that they would debut on Sundays early and. People just weren't ready for them because I remember after Sequest they debuted Earth Two, and that's another one that died. And there's space above and beyond. Sundays is and Fridays are just not good days for sci-fi. These were all debuting at the same time. Uh, no, no, they're, they're a couple years apart. But I was just thinking like that was a, a okay. run there that was either Sunday or Friday they would come out, and they would always get killed pretty quickly. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it was like three seasons of this or something. Well, they. Sort of. If you count twenty thirty two, I I counted. I don't know why it's counted as a, as a separate show because when it when you look it up, it says DSV was only a two season show. I'm like, no, twenty thirty two is still the same show. It's just you change the it name. Is. It's I mean, Buck Rogers changed its whole format in the second season, but still Buck Rogers. Yeah, well, they went off the rails towards <laughs> the end there. So they had a really good. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Recipe, whatever. Anyway, for a good show at the beginning, I thought, because it was really grounded. But then, holy crap, it went off the rails. Yeah. Are we talking about Buck Rogers, or now we're talking about Sequest? I'm talking about Sequest. Sorry. Okay, good. I, both of them have a weird turn. Uh, but Sequest, yeah, it starts off as a very high-minded. Um, it's not heavy on sci uh, science fiction. It's more about science fact or what potentially could happen. That you know, there's Science future. Right, it's and it was more mature, and that's what Roy yeah. Scheider signed up for. That's what Spielberg was trying to push um, with Rockne S. O'Bannon, who was a, a big sci-fi guy. I think his biggest hit is probably Farscape. But mm -hmm. the NBC executives were like, "Look," and I, I'll t I'll say this right now: I was one of those people that was whining that it wasn't sci-fi enough, it wasn't action enough, because I was I think sixteen at the time, so I had ADD. I wanted more. But as an adult, I watch and I go, no, I want what the show originally set out to be is, um, you know, like almost like a medical kind of show, but underwater in the future. Yeah, I think I think I was kind of the opposite as far as that went. I I really loved the show, and then it, I, to be fair, honestly, I think now it took a weird turn. But looking back through the eyes of my youth, I probably loved it. You know, it's, regardless, 
But yeah, if you look at you know it, me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm big into anything sci-fi, weird and off the wall. Yeah, well, at the time we were so starving for anything sci-fi that I, I would watch anything. It didn't matter if it was good or bad. I mean, sometimes I would bail if it was really bad, but um, I just wanted some sci-fi. So when did uh, I know we covered this at one point back in our past, and I should remember this, but War of the Worlds. Remember that? That was being uh, my... syndicated. I think eighty-eight, eighty-nine, eighty-nine, ninety. Okay, so this was okay. Think, Ron. Think. Oh, I've totally forgot. Ninety-three, ninety-three. Okay, so this was a. Not too far off from that. So I remember watching that and thinking, okay, now I'm really finding a show I really liked is in the yoke of maybe V or something along those lines that I would be interested in following along with. And then my favorite, like the shows that would come up, they'd get canceled too quickly. Yeah. It was a curse. If it was more than one season, it was a miracle. (laughs) It seemed like if I liked the show, then everybody was screwed. Yeah, that's that's a given. If I was kind of ambivalent to it, it'd be on for at least three years. Yep. So I gave up on this show. Oh. I will say this right now. I watched a lot <laughs> the first season, and I gave up before the season was over with. And then I heard that they rebooted it a little bit for season two. And I was really a big fan of Peter Deloise because I'm a huge 21 Jump Street guy. Mm-hmm. So I gave it another shot. I thought it was okay, but I never watched another episode of it again. And you can see... Um, what had happened here is uh, Ron and I, I think I, uh, I only watched the first and last episode of each season to see how it changed. Now, is that what you did or did you watch more? I watched, uh, let's see, maybe five episodes of the first season. Then I, well, let's, let's say I started on season two and then I was lost. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I could have swore there was a little different start and I realized I was on season two. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so let's do this right. <laughs> But I think I watched three on season two. I didn't even bother twenty thirty. I don't even know if you can find it. To be honest, I found it on. Um, I watched it on Peacock. So okay, yeah, it's on Peacock, and I believe it's on uh, the Roku channel. Oh. Yeah. So Do for me, it was jarring every single time. The way a show started, or the way a season would start, would end so wildly different, and half the cast was gutted every single season. It was shocking to see people yeah. just thrown away. That was a weird thing. Like, okay, I remember seeing one thing. Like, like the doctor that was in season one. The only reason she didn't come back is because they moved it to Florida or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's as good a reason as any. But still, <laughs> it, it it always drives. It is like you said. It's very jarring when you come back and you're expecting. All right, here we go. We we'll jump back into the story, and there's nobody there. Yeah, it's <laughs> who it's... are these people? And I, I really thought that some of these people made it all the way to the end, but the only two people there in the entire series is Jonathan Brandis, Ted Raimi, and Don Franklin. That's it. Of all those people, only three yep. people make it all the way through. Yeah. The uh, They saw where it was going. They saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. Well, and then Roy Scheider, uh, he his career had kind of dipped down during the 80s, and he was doing some low-budget stuff, so he got the opportunity to be a big headliner on a very expensive show. So he took it off, but by the time season one was over with, he was like, what are you guys doing? This is turning into, like, a sub-Star Trek. Like, these are the scripts that we thrown away because uh, they weren't good enough for Star Trek. And it just kept getting goofier and goofier, and he was like, guys, I'm out. And so he pretty much bails on so season three. Michael Ironside. <laughs> yeah, and Michael Ironside, I think, is fine. I think he's a really good lead. He's a, he's a, he's a different kind yeah. of character, obviously, because he's more hard-driven. But... Um, his version is more of an action show. Yeah, I was like, he was more fitted 
for what the second season was, I think. So, yeah. It's almost as if Roy Scheider should have yeah. gone out after season one, and then Michael Ironside was brought in for season two. Right. Uh, who else is? Oh, I thought was Stephanie Beecham was Wait, in the show. Wait, what am I missing here? Because really he was did. in what? the Gelf. Gelf? Gelf? Is it Gelf or Gelp? Uh, are those the ones uh, that were genetically created? Genetically engineered the, humans. Yeah, the one that Peter Deloise plays. Yeah, I think they're called Gelfs. Yeah. Okay. So I was, Now, I know Bridger was there at some point. Like, he was there at the very beginning, obviously. But when did the Ironsides come in? So Ironside comes in in season three. Now, this is the weirdest thing with the show. Three. The first season, there okay. there seems to... I didn't. I, I thought the ship got destroyed or something. or Something happens to the ship where they all break apart and they have to re-team in season two. So you have this whole thing. It's like, hey, we're going to try to get a new audience with this show. So we're going to try to reintroduce everybody. So they're, they're you know hiring new team members and they're, and they're getting them on the ship. And in season three, there is this weird truncated – because I finished the last episode of season two. I don't know where the hell they got this connection in season three. All of a sudden, the ship disappears. Everybody is dead mm-hmm. except for uh, Jonathan Brandis and Peter Deloise's character. They escape on a small ship. Uh, and uh, uh, Jonathan Brandon is, is in a mental hospital slash prison kind of thing, and they think he's responsible for blowing up the ship, and um, all of a sudden everybody just shows up randomly on Earth at different times, different places, as if no time had passed whatsoever. They had gone through some sort of like Bermuda Triangle thing, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just so strange because they're like, well, we're going to do all this in five minutes. And you're like, what? Season 3 is going to debut with this whole thing about blowing up the ship and everybody disappearing, and then all of a sudden you're going to reintroduce, like, oh, five years later, it's 20, 30, no, I think it was more than five years later, I think it was 10 years later, and then Michael Ironside's the captain, but nobody's really aged. You're telling me Jonathan Brandis jumped, he looks the same. Stop it. Yeah. It's, I wish I could find, if anybody knows, let us know somehow, where do we can find 2032, because I'm actually interested in, like, I'm interested in going through the whole thing again. Just no, to, no. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it's on the. Do you have a Roku? Because I'm sure I watched it on the Roku channel. Because I I watched this uh, uh, episode saying we're on YouTube. I'm. I don't have Roku. Um, oh, okay. Well, you have I'll, to look I'll it up. Ch- I'll as, check it out anyway. I believe you do have to search it as Sequest 2032 and not DSV. That might be was messed up. So I do remember seeing Ironside on something when I was trying to look all this stuff up. So I don't. But. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, and his career was kind of done too, but he showed up on ER the previous year and had done a very acclaimed job, and that's how he ended up getting the the, the role on Sequest. Sadly, it didn't do anything for the show. They just gave it like another thirteen episodes to try to make it, and they're like, "Let's just wash our hands of this and move on." Mm-hmm. You seem sad. Are you pensive right now? <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here waxing nostalgic and then re- realizing all over again just how huh. sad it is that so many shows die so soon. What well, says here? Mill Creek anyway. just announced that they're going to be putting all three seasons of uh, Sequest out on DVD and Blu-ray soon. Awesome. Cool. Then in, in Mill Creek, if anybody knows, is usually a budget line where it's not cheaper programming. It's just their packaging, the way they put stuff out, is more cost efficient. And you can usually get like a whole like, – you probably be able to get that for 20 bucks. And the tiny slimline case with barely a sleeve. And yeah, they have one of those. You know, yeah, I have a bunch of those. Um, but it's <laughs> I do too. So it's weird. I'm looking at this. It says it was supposed to be canceled after season two, but the season, the show that they had prepared called Rolling Thunder, 
um, the pilot episode did not go well, so they decided to renew Sequest to give them more time to make another show. So it's almost as if they knew it was going to be canceled, and anyway, they were just trying to pad it. Because by this time, we have um, uh, Sci-Fi Channel has launched, and it has become like you know uh, just a dumping ground for all the failed shows that Universal did because they're the kings of the failed Sci-Fi show. You still said it was Rolling Thunder. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a Rolling Thunder with a, a pilot for a TV show. I don't know who was in it or anything, but it just says that's the show that they had prepared to take over for the slot that Sequest was holding. And then when it the pilot sucked, gotcha. they said, "Well, I guess we got to rehire these guys for thirteen more episodes. Let's rework this." <laughs> so I remember. I tell you one thing, I did like. I I, I kind of liked the whole pirate aspect of it. You know, we're we're, we're living in a world where. Uh, our resources are limited. Uh, it just seems like we're on the verge at any moment of turning into like a Mad Max type of world, you know? So yeah. And then you're doing but, uh, it's like corporation the wars. Sea, so the whole pirate thing was kind of. And honestly, if you really look into it, pirates exist to this day. Yeah. Just, they're not swashbucklers. I know this from Captain Ron. <laughs> Whoa, hey, hey. My nickname for him <laughs> Captain Ron. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, uh, that little twist was kind of cool but i don't know if it really was explored too much yeah i don't know i i'd have to see the whole series the focus of the show was so all over the place in season two they hired patrick hardberg uh who was an executive producer of 21 jump street to help uh, take over the show from rocky s o'bannon and i think that's how the deloise brothers uh, got on the show because they were both on the final season of uh 21 jump street and uh i think they're both great they're both u so unique because, you know, Peter Delavise is playing the, the Gelf, and he's kind of like an innocent, dopey, uh, he's a, mm -hmm. a data kind of character. Right. And then his brother is the experimental, has the gills, and he's he's like all fire and flame and smart-ass comments, whatever. He's probably my favorite character because he's so fun. I have mine too. Uh, and don't give me any flack, people, but I actually watched the Gilmore Girls with my wife and my daughter, and... Um, he's in that as well. Yeah, I watch the show too. I don't give a crap yeah, what people think. <laughs> but uh, we joke around around here. It's like you just lost your man card. But anyway, <laughs> but I mean, they ingest, of course. But, but you've anyway, been issued um, your like human card. He plays kind of a. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said you've been issued your human card. <laughs> but um, I mean, you know, it's all in jokes. But yeah. anyway. Um, well, there's this character in there, he plays kind of a, a goof-off, too, like he doesn't know anything, but he's definitely got a lot of heart, that kind of person, and he plays it really well. Like, I don't think I've seen any of the Deloise in anything. I don't know. I, I My hat's off to their acting ability. So. Yeah. It's, um, I was thinking, like, uh, and, of course, Michael was known for playing, like, kind of a villain. He was, like, the go-to high school jerk during the 90s. I think most people remember him mostly uh, from uh, Encino Man. But, you know, and then that's how oh, he probably got yeah. this role because he was kind of sarcastic and, and uh, uh, kind of uh, difficult to deal with character-wise. Um, but you see him on Gilmore Girls, and he's put on the weight, and his hair is kind of thinning out, so he's totally like a goofball, and it's, it's amazing seeing the difference. Yeah. I don't know. I, Peter is now a director and he had a producer. He was a big uh, proponent in um, uh, Stargate, the, the TV series. 
I vaguely remember that. I remember saying, oh, Deloise, I know that name. Yeah, he became um, a director I think it was around that time, actually, when Stargate came out, that I actually realized that there were more than one Deloise. Yeah. Like, like this is a family thing, family affair going on here, kind of like the Baldwins. But yeah, no, there's the youngest brother, too, who was uh, a regular on Third Rock from the Sun, so I guess they work well with sci-fi. Yep, yep. Well, there's not much more to say to. about it. Is there anything you want to say about the show? Anything else I want to say about the show? Yeah. Mm. Please don't reboot it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was talks of it, uh, but it's so strange. They would have to reboot the whole thing because, uh, sadly, Jonathan yeah. Brandis took his life so young. Uh, it still yeah. boggles my mind that that happened. Of course, and Roy Scheider died of cancer about a decade ago or more. And, uh, yeah. you know, and everybody else is just kind of aged out. And Michael Ironside can't come back. He's so old now. I mean, he could be a general that, you know, it shows up on camera, you know, like you know, on the the screen or whatever, and tells them what to do. But you're going to have to overhaul the whole thing. God. You I would it? do that, except I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> anyway, we had a glitch. You probably heard that. Beep, 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 beep. Uh, it was Pac-Man dying. Uh, sadly, we had to bury his body. <laughs> no, we're talking about the, we're talking about doing a reboot and where they could go with the show. But there is so much potential because other than outer space, underwater is the most unexplored. And frankly, more terrifying than space mm-hmm. to me. The things that are under there, I don't. We don't know. Right. I. One of the things that okay, it's a little fantastical and what have you, but I, it brings to mind. I, I went to uh, my niece's house this last weekend, and uh, they had Journey to the Center of the Earth on, and I'm thinking, you know, that's, it's been explored a few times as far as that goes. But typically, I know of at least twice it's been explored, and it was both the same movie, just rebooted. But yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is one instance, honestly, where I, I like the old one and I actually like the new one too. But that, I digress. But yeah, well, there's so much more that we we could look inward for. We've done so much space stuff. Yeah, or more on the Earth itself, yeah, or under, go inside. You know, and and I, I imagine if they're going to reboot it, though, they're probably going to put it on Sci-Fi Channel for a lower budget. And they're probably going to make it more fear-oriented. That's the only difference. So it's not really Sequest in the way that we know it, but all the Star Treks are different as well. Yeah. So that's really the only way they could do it. I, I imagine like they're like take, taking on underwater monsters and stuff like that, or colonies uh, now going underwater, something like that. I see. If you're going to touch into the alien thing, I guess it's not really outside the realm of possibility that, you know, maybe we've got somebody living in the ocean deep. Yeah. And we, <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, is it that, that storyline was fine with me, uh-huh. but in this particular setting, I didn't like it because personally it was so rooted in reality at the beginning that it should have stayed there. Right. It's, you can get fantastical with it and find things that we would have never thought of. Like the Alexander, uh, was the library of Alexander, Andrea, I gotta say it right here. Um, finding something like that—that that, those are the kind of things that are like, oh, you know. Yeah, if it had been more of a discovery, maybe you actually find Atlantis but... underwater and stayed that way. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. they had a lot of potential, and I will say, I was probably entertained the whole all three seasons, but looking at it now, I definitely it definitely was all over the place. <laughs> 
Um, so that is it for this episode. Check us out on Facebook under Hit Rewind Podcast. And Ron, thank you again. And sorry, everybody, for the delay. I don't know what we're going to do next because I don't want to promise you anything, but we're going to try to find some more. We're in the 90s now. We're not going back. No 80s, no 70s. So we'll find something uh, fun to discuss from the 90s. <laughs> but I love the 80s. Uh, I'm so burned out on the 80s. Everybody's so obsessed with it. It's, it. There has to be a point where I'm just done. But we we also discussed, I think, every sci-fi show of the 80s. I can't think of one that we didn't. Alien Nation. Technically, I, I started in 89. 89 to mm. 90. That, that, we can do that one if I can find it. I would definitely be on board for that one. That's a good one. Okay, everybody, that is it. Have a good night. Have a great one. Combined, I am Captain Planet. Captain Planet, he's our hero. Gonna take pollution down to zero. He's our powers magnified, and he's fighting on the planet side. Captain Planet, he's our hero. Gonna take pollution down to zero. Gonna help him put us under. Bad guys who like to loot and plunder. Cause saving our planet is the thing to do Looting and polluting is not the way Hear what Captain Planet has to say The power is yours Where on Earth is Carmen San Diego? everybody it's back in tunes i'm michael that's jacob this episode was jacob's suggestion jacob what are we watching we're watching something that is very environmentally aware and teaching our kids about pollution and this and that thankfully it didn't teach us to go vegan i would that's where i draw the line <laughs> now, i'm getting um, there dude i i can't eat pork and i can i can't I can barely eat beef now and uh it's i don't know I, i'm starting to get there i don't think i can ever be vegan but i'm definitely moving more towards vegetarian Okay, good. I was about to say. But not even chicken? No, not no. any kind of poultry? Uh, no, I eat poultry. I eat fish. Uh, well, with the ocean being ruined, Ooh. I don't know how much longer we'll be able to eat fish <laughs> because of the Fukushima, <laughs> whatever the thing in Japan was. Oh, yeah. No, the Fukushima. All right, so anyway, this is your suggestion. Um, yeah, no. I have never seen either cartoon, so this is a first time for me. Okay, yeah, no. Captain Planet is my suggestion. It's something I definitely grew up on. It was, you know... Again, very educational, had great artwork, and again, very diverse uh, group of heroes that are selected by Gaia, Mother Earth, to help combat polluters. She'd been asleep for like a century, for like a century, 
and she wakes up and just goes, oh, God, what are these silly humans? What have <laughs> they done? I, I, oh, no, she was too nice. She was way too nice. She was actually voiced by Whoopi Goldberg, too. I expect her to be a little more life. sassy than she is, but uh, she she pulled that back. This is during that weird era where Whoopi was kind of a dramatic actress before Ghost and uh, sis, well, no, Sister Act, I guess, is what really blew her up into comedy. Definitely, yeah. No, I mean after that, uh, then there was also that one spoof uh, movie with Emilio Estevez and uh, is it Samuel L. Jackson? Oh right, Loaded Weapon, Villanescas. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, she was a. Uh, Daniel Jackson's old partner. <laughs> like, even in, like, little stuff like... even She would even have, like, a little appearance or something like that. She was that big. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, she, no. was, she was only in the first se- uh, three seasons. Then Margot Kidder took over uh, when it switched over to syndication. Right, yeah. Because it was originally the geek who um, produced it and uh, aired it out. And I think, if I remember correctly, it was originally on TBS. Right, it was um, and, it was produced and actually created by Ted Turner. I don't know who Barbara Pyle is. I should look that up. Uh, Ted Turner. Yeah. Um, this is right after he launched his two networks, TBS and TNT, and he had bought the MGM catalog. So he owned all of the Looney Tunes. Uh, uh, he bought uh, MGM and Warner Brothers. So he owned uh, Looney Tunes. He owned Tom and Jerry. Um, and then he bought the whole like old school catalog from like 1986 and before, except. For some reason, he didn't purchase United Artists. He didn't get the Pink Panther and James Bond movies, which surprises me. Or Magnificent Seven. My God, think of what think of what could have happened under his reign. Yeah. Would it have been a good thing? I don't know. Well, well they were already colorized, so I guess it would have been screwed that way. You remember when he was colorizing everything? I was like, that it looked like shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Heck, they even made fun of it on Family Guy. Well, they make uh, fun of it on uh, Gremlins 2. Oh, God, really? Yeah, Gremlins 2. You remember when uh, the Grandpa Monster kind of guy is talking to Billy and uh, Daniel Clamp is playing like a Ted Turner kind of character and he's like, he won't show anything black and white on here. If he does, he colorizes it. It looks terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then he, of course, toning it down with the octopus people. That's yeah, right. <laughs> Octoman. <laughs> Which yeah. sounds, Octoman no, sounds like a, a Swamp Thing cartoon character. Good God, yeah, he does. I think he could have been a Swamp Thing villain. <laughs> anyway, no, no. How funny is it that it was an idea by Ted Turner for Captain Planet? I mean, uh, I mean, doesn't he have dealings with like some of those energy corporate uh, energy uh, businesses? Right. I don't. Well, not all rich people are villains. I mean, uh, who's the guy who owns Magnolia Pictures and uh, Magnet and uh, HDTV? You know, he's always going up against Trump. What the hell's his name? Uh, Mark Cuban. Oh yeah, Mark Cuban. That guy. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, it's true. But even then. I don't know. You can be very. You have to be very cautious. I don't know. Yeah, and then there's also Bill Gates. Yeah, he's not. He was a villain and became a hero. Weird. I know. My gosh. Just like with Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, I, I love again what this cartoon did. It really vilified, like, you know, um, oil companies in particular, especially with a uh, pig, horsley, hogsley, or something like that. Um, he was voiced by uh, Ed Asner. He was like this pig who wanted like control of all the oil. He wanted to drill in this like a uh, natural habitat and have this special. That it was. It was the very first episode. He had this uh, special uh, giant robotic contraption that drilled oil from the uh, from this um, animal habitat. It was supposed to be a sanctuary for them, and it ends up kind of like polluting the water. And you know he clearly does not give a damn as long as he gets the oil and makes money. Right. Uh, people forget that Ed Asner did a lot of voice work. I think you and I primarily know him from Freakazoid. 
But he did a lot of that kind of stuff. But, you know, the regular audiences know him for, of course, Mary Tyler Moore and its spinoff. Um, and then I think Thunder Alley he did for a couple of years. But he's a really great actor who started off as a Second City member. So he uses a lot of those talents when he's doing the uh, voiceover work. Right. Yeah, honestly, to me, uh, his most notable voice work for um, – because I grew up with it was the uh, Spider-Man animated TV series. Who did he play 90s. on that? That's J. Jonah Jameson. He played J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's where I remember him. Yeah. No. In Captain Planet. Oh my god. Uh, uh, I mean, as far as the character design went, of all the things to give Captain Planet, you had to give him a green mullet. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mullets, man. I look at the late '80s and I'm just like, oh, what were we thinking? Uh oh gosh, I don't know. I don't think everybody was on too much coke. I don't think they were thinking at all. Uh, but who, anyway. who was it that was in the Captain Planet parody we're watching? Oh, Don Cheadle. Oh, right, right, right. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched this since you told me about it, though. We, um, but uh, there's a lot to make fun of in Captain Planet. I know its heart is in the right place. But sometimes when you get stuff that's like super earnest, it becomes unintentionally hilarious. And the pure uh, extreme positivity in all of Captain Planet kind of makes me giggle a little bit because – uh, it's not the best show. It's edutainment, which sometimes edutainment can be um, cringeworthy. I think. True, but again, uh, I thought this one was like very, um, again, very reliable and very, you know, oh God, what, very influential for children. You know, you're wanting getting, to get you're up quieter and, and quieter. I can barely this. hear you. Okay, what about now? A little bit louder now. A little bit louder now. A little bit softer now. <laughs> okay, just softer, just softer. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that, folks. But, yeah, again, it was just like, you know, getting kids environmentally aware, you know, to prepare the next generation of what they're going to have to deal with when they get older and want to get involved with, you know, environmental cleanup and look for renewable energy sources. Yeah. Well, this is so, around hey, the time that Earth Day became like an event. Like, they, they had the Earth Day specials. You know, there's posters everywhere. People wanted to – this is, oddly enough, during a Republican reign <laughs> is when we gave a shit about the environment. And now we're under a Republican reign again, and now they're trying to hide anything environmental-wise because it's only about money right now. They don't give a fuck about the next generation or the generation after that. They only care about now. I'm 80. I want all that money I can before I die. I mean, I can't do anything with it because I'm too old, but fuck it. I don't think you can always buy yourself a new, you know, a new colon, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I want a robo dick. I don't care how much it costs. Cyborg cock. Robocock. A robocock. <laughs> how did I not think of that, Robocock? How the fuck? I know. Of all the porn ideas, they never went after that. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, I liked also how um, it was very diverse, and each uh, character had like a very particular uh, voice talent. You had LeVar Burton as Kwame from Africa, who. Again, I think does a fantastic job with all of his voice work, and of course is best known for Reading Rainbow and Data from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Not Data, not Data. Return your no, no, nerd uh, card right now. I know. Okay, okay, okay. Fine. Here, take my fucking nerd card. It was Jordy LaForge. Jordy. I know it was Jordy. I forgot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, it, it just goes to show how much I like Data. Okay, I like him over Jordy. <laughs> I'd watch a whole show about Data, honestly. Just, just the new adventures of Data. <laughs> but Data's dead. I, he could have gotten uh, No, he's not. Brent Spiner is not dead. Don't you fucking say Data. Oh, well, wait, no, no. Remember, Data dies in Nemesis, and they have to bring uh, they bring in a different version That's of Data. True. So I guess it's uh, half a dozen of the. You know, what I mean, it's just one of those things where yeah, Data's technically here, but he's not here. It's like rebooting, and while you're still in the same movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like if George Clooney <laughs> came over, pushed Val Kilmer over, and said, "All right, this is my Batman movie in the middle of Batman Forever." Oh. 
God. <laughs> I'm so glad that didn't happen. I mean, I actually liked Valdemar. Anyway, <laughs> back to the action. Um, yeah, again, there was a very diverse cast. Um, what was his name? Didio? You know, I don't recognize a lot of these names. Uh, LeVar Burton, Scott Menville. Now, Scott Menville is actually in our next cartoon, which is odd. Uh, he is also in uh, Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego. I mostly know him from Mission Hill, which is one of my favorite cartoons of all time. But you and regular audiences might know him from his one major, like, he did some live-action stuff. But the one thing everybody seems to remember him from is uh, Ernest Goes to Camp. He is one of those punk kids. with uh, He's the one with the big nose and the shades and the spiky hair. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I remember that. Oh, jeez. I hate it. Oh, God, I wanted to punch that kid in the face. <laughs> that also, um, I think that guy, uh, that same voice actor was the one who not only voiced Mati, the kid from South America, whose power was heart. Seriously? Like, that's all his power was. He could just talk to animals and feel and communicate with them. <laughs> I guess it's because, well, again, they made a good point. It's like, without heart, you know, this group would be unbalanced and the elements would be out of control. I'm like, well, especially <laughs> Wheeler. I mean, come on, that guy... He has the most dangerous element of all. He could burn shit. I, I okay? want the uh, I want the talent of uh, the power of the dick. Just <laughs> just shine it all over the Which world. Power? Uh, make everything happy. Uh, rainbows out of my dick. <laughs> <laughs> ha, can't spell happiness without penis. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of a lame oh, power, isn't it? You got. Um, hope or something. I don't know. You can't really do anything with it. Just like smile at people and make them happy. Uh, mine would be actually flatulence. Um, I would actually be a villain in this world probably because the CO2 numbers would be just escalating. The uh, gas house would be all my ass. Just like lighten it up. Oh, you're yeah. destroying the environment. Stop eating beans. Yeah, I know. Exactly. You're leaking methane practically. You're killing everything in sight. Just get out. You're no you can't sit with us. <laughs> I am fought, man. Oh, God. God damn you, Howard Stern! <laughs> I guess I can't believe he did that. He went on live t TV with his ass sticking out, and Luke Perry uh, put his hands on the ass to feel the power of the ass. <laughs> Ridiculous! Oh my god, that guy! No, no, that guy's nuts. Okay, let, let, uh, I'm, not, I'm kind of avoiding talking about Captain Planet because I didn't really care for it. Um, I think if I was younger, I might have liked it, but I feel like I tried to watch it. Um. I don't understand how it is that this lasted so many years and why the next show lasted so many years. When you look at some of the classics, like G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Thundercats. Let's just take those right there. Two seasons each. Technically, there's a third in Japan called Headmasters, but and G.I. Joe did come back like five years later. But uh, how is it those only last two years when they have a hot uh, toy line, they have cartoons, they have uh, comic books, and tons of merch, especially Transformers and G.I. Joe. Uh, and yet they only lasted two seasons. That makes no sense to me. And yet this goes on and on and on when essentially it's a, it's like the same storyline over and over and over. Oh, God. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it was the 90s. Again, the 90s with this huge animation boom. Again, it was being very successful. Hell, there was even one episode that involved uh, AIDS, like bringing AIDS awareness. Oh, I didn't know that. Like, oh, I'm going to tell everybody I only watched the first three episodes and I was kind of like, I'm done. Yeah, you'd have to look that one up. I definitely recommend that. All it's right, that insightful. takes balls. That actually, that means something. It, I, I have to give it credit for being more than just a punch-in-the-face kind of cartoon, like what else was going on at that time. Uh, there's environmental stuff going on in other cartoons. You have Captain Planet, Toxic Avenger, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, in a weird way, is kind of an environmental cartoon. But this one really, like, is trying to teach you, not just have a, oh, this is a byproduct of environmental uh, problems. Exactly. It's not. A, no, there was always a public service announcement practically at the end of each episode, too. Which is great. 
it's always fun though. But I'm like, oh god, this happy tongue in cheek, you know, humor it can, can only like can last so long before I go insane and be yeah. like, that is a load of shit. Uh, yeah, no. Even then, even then, some of them do actually have some dark sides. I'm looking here sure. at Kath Soshi. I, I recognize the name, and I couldn't figure out why, and I know now. She played Lola Bunny in Space Jam. Um, she was also in Rugrats, playing Betty DeVille, Phil Lil, um, Dexter's Mom in Dexter's Laboratory. She's Fifi LaFume in Teeny, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures. Um, the rest yeah. of the stuff I don't really know. Oh, she was Janine in Real Ghostbusters. She was? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. I'd almost forgotten that. I mean, God, her voice is, uh, she has so much, uh, again, she has so many credits uh, to her voice work uh, resume. It's it's insane. And I think she was in something recently. I think she might have been in DC Universe Online. She might have been the voice of Giganta. I could be wrong. Maybe. It sounded a lot like her. Um, I have another but, um, actor here. John, uh, you, you mentioned Joey DiDio earlier. Uh, he was in The Karate Kid as Daniel, which I want to discuss sometime. We gotta, like, we'll do that for a franchise frenzy during the summer. Um, oh, yeah. That's about it. He did Karate Kid, Captain Planet, uh, Pound Puppies, Extreme Ghostbusters, and Denver the Last Dinosaur. Otherwise, he's mostly known for doing uh, live action stuff, and he writes and produces his own stuff now. Oh, wow. And he produces like documentaries. Oh, good. Huh, I think I might have seen his in, one, seen his in one recently. Might have uh, been on Netflix. Who else do I have here? I have Janice mm. Kawei, who played G or Gi. I'm going to say it wrong because I'm an idiot. Um, Eat. mostly known for this. Also in Karate Kid, Pound Puppies. These must be all the same agents or something. Uh, Invader Zim, Bump in the Night, Codename, Kids Next Door. Uh, that's about oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. My Life as a Teenage Robot. Yeah. Um, who else do we have? Oh, yeah, oh, of course. Wasn't she in Night of the... Wasn't that? She, one of the, wasn't she that little girl in Night of the Comet? The little... You mean the blonde? Yeah, the, little Sarah. Uh, I haven't seen any of the comment in a while, but we're talking uh, Carrie's, uh, Catherine Mary Stewart's, not Catherine Mary Stewart. Yeah, that's right. Catherine Mary Stewart's sister. Are we talking the blonde, the one from um, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about, remember the little kids that they found later on? Oh, oh shit, I forgot about that. Like yeah, that. yeah, okay. Is that her? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It is. It says right here, uh, live action, Night of the Comet played Sarah. Huh. Uh-huh. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise, sucker. <laughs> uh, Captain Planet, played by David Coburn, not related to James Coburn. They literally put this in the Wikipedia just to make sure you don't get confused. <laughs> yeah, I know. David Coburn. Oh, God, what did he do? Huh. Uh, this is a lot of live-action stuff. Uh, looks like mostly just episodes of TV. Um, did New Kids on the Block voiceover work. Uh, Captain Planet uh, was a regular on Harry and the Hendersons. Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego? Wow, this is weird. It's like a lot of the same people being repeated. Huh. Right. <laughs> that's, just, <laughs> that's just, oh, my God. Never mind. Dude, there were actually a lot of guest uh, voice actors. Hell, I think I remember, um, oh, God, yeah, Tim Curry, who was Dr. Blight's computer. And then you had, uh, hell, even Sting was in a few episodes. Yeah, it was that's a popular show of, with the cool kids, man, but just I apparently was not a cool kid. I don't know. God, God Michael, you sucked as a yeah. child. Jeez. What's wrong with you? What's wrong oh, with you, man? I mean, seriously, it's weird. But hey, think of it this way. You are not a crook. You were not a crook. You did not screw people over, misinform them, and try to commit some government. I don't know what the hell you're saying. Um, I have the Captain Planet parody right here uh, right. with um, Don Cheadle. I thought we could listen to that for a minute. Yeah, sure.
describe Captain Planet today. Captain Planet turned my daughter into a tree and my wife. Sources say the once beloved hero has been corrupted by his own power. He used to be known for saving the planet. Now the planet fears him. I love this is visual. I don't think this is the original one. I think this is a sequel to the. Thank you, my time. I know I kept you around for a reason to be my personal bitch. Oh man. Is this synthetic polyester? You've lost your power ring privileges. <laughs> Go get in the corner with the rest of them. <laughs> Stop your sniveling, you dumb sap. <laughs> Five souls. A soul for each finger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll, we won't, we won't, I won't go on with that. But he's going insane. I don't think this is the first one. It's supposed to be a sequel to it. He's full of dementia now. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Because I remember the first one. He's just uh, he got summoned because something was gonna happen, and then he tr starts turning people into trees. Yeah. And then he intimidates them, and so it's just like the power is mine, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um. Oh no. They they produce so many funny things. This is oh god. I loved um, especially with Amber Rose's uh, Walk of No Shame. That one killed me. You <laughs> said that Captain Planet was ripe for remaking, and I it just as long as they lose the mullet, unless it's done ironic, which they shouldn't do it ironically because you know the environment is now completely fucked up. I mean, let's not ignore that. Uh, um, oh shit, I forgot a bit. Shit, what's the stuff in plants now? They're they're pouring on it. Ma'am, how did I forget this? You and I are talking Monsanto. Yeah, Monsanto. That's one. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of many oh, things. That, oh, oh, and let's go back to fracking. And, oh, let's keep dumping stuff into our rivers. Let's destroy our environment. Let's screw the kids. Let's, let's, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to fast forward uh, Total Recall. They want that to be a reality. They want people to have, with, like, three breasts. I think that's the only thing that they want is three breasts and then maybe a hand growing out of your back and a horn out of your head. It's like they're really pushing people to, to for interplanetary travel. Yeah. Uh, maybe if they get a, something going on Mars, we might... Oh no! I think didn't I think there was something uh, that scientists did discover of a Earth-like uh, planet <laughs> not too far off. So I'm like, hopefully maybe we can go there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, what, what it is is basically is Elysium is going to happen. The rich. That's why they're uh, escalating this uh, space travel thing. Is because guess what? Uh, the meek will inherit the Earth because the rich are going to leave. They're going to leave us with a cesspool, and they don't care. No, of course not. No, as long as they get their money. Uh, oh God! Again, these are all the ba these uh, again the people who are doing these making these decisions are all the. You know, dumb, spoiled baby boomers yeah. who inherited them. Their, uh, well, not all fortune. of them, but we, I get what you're saying. Like the people who saw this, uh, the fetishizing of being filthy rich in the '80s. You know, the, the, that that captured their imagination. They haven't let it go. They haven't changed. Oh God, no, not at all. And then, of course, there was also the housing market and the fraudulent deal uh, and the fraudulent deals that went on that caused the 2008 crisis. But again, we digress. Yes, we digress because we need to move on. We're at the half-hour point almost, and Captain Planet, I just, 
I, I I'm, I'm not gonna lie and say I'm not the most enthusiastic about this episode. The movie, uh, the cartoon that I picked to go with Captain Planet made sense in its idea and the fact that the cast is very similar. But you and I, I don't think enjoyed it very much. No, Captain Planet, I did get a kick out of. Again, it's just that mullet. I mean, if they do, if he is uh, right for, if he is gonna make a comeback, uh, maybe he could just like kind of have like a like fuzz, like really short hair, maybe something like uh, hmm, something more wild and natural. But no, he'll probably get one of those hipster. He'll grow a beard and have the sides of his head shaved with the, co- the hair greased over. It <laughs> look like he's from the 1890s. No! No! <laughs> hipster no. planet. No hipster. Captain Hipster. No, 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 no. Ah, no. I'm going to go no. li- listen to the That's Outback off. Brothers and, and, and hang out in uh, uh, tea uh, breweries. You know, like an uh, independent tea brewery. Eat coffee <laughs> and let's go to... And let's uh, let's let's just complain about Starbucks and then eventually conform to it. We'll just call it Captain Portland. Cool shit. Captain Portland. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Honestly, I do I do see it right for a remake. I mean, again, a little bit more seriousness. Um, and oh God. Hmm. And if they were to make a live action movie of it, you'd probably see Dave Franco playing Wheeler. Oh, totally. No, I see. I, oh well. Hmm. Who who would play uh, Captain Planet? Oh God, Josh! Good. I I, uh, I like Josh Duhamel. Uh, I think he's underrated. I think he's very funny and charming. He's not big, but you know, just give him a padded suit. Since uh, well, apparently we're gonna take stuff that's cheesy. Now Godzilla movies rule. Godzilla or King Kong movies are awesome. Power Rangers is making a shit ton of cash, and people love it. Oh yeah, no, I actually saw it. It was actually pretty good. I uh, like how there was actual characters. I don't know if everybody can hear this, but fuck you, Mother Nature, for making another episode kind of a pain in the ass for being so loud. I live on the coast of Oregon, everybody. Uh, we try to record when it doesn't rain. Uh, it wasn't raining when we started, but now it's pouring, so I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that Mother Nature got a little too excited. Somebody made her too happy. Oh, God. I guess. Well, hey, me. <clears throat> Any hoodoo. Uh, what Any hoodoo thing? voodoo? Voodoo? That you voodoo. do so well. You remind me of the babe. <laughs> Okay, and our second cartoon is Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego, which, when you mentioned it, I forgot there was even a cartoon. I only remember the show on PBS. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, the trivia show. Oh, my God. That was, like, what? Almost 300 episodes. Or it, was like, uh, it definitely was over 250. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it was a nice trivia show. And, oh, God, what was her name? I can't remember that actress's name. Oh, uh, Lynn Thigpen, the one from The Warriors. Lynn Thigpen, yes, from The Warriors and um, Streets of Fire. She's and in Streets Anchorman of Fire? I don't remember her in Streets of Fire. Yeah, she's the subway operator. She's the one who was telling um, the main character. Uh, oh, God, what was his name? Michael Pere? Yeah. She was telling him, yeah, she was telling him, like, you know, the train, uh, the, the, the uh, track was wrecked, and she couldn't go anywhere. Oh. It huh. was, like, near the end, before he had to turn back and get into that most awesome sledgehammer fight with Willem Dafoe. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, again, it was very, uh, it was, again, something great, you know, more, another educational cartoon, uh, teaching kids about geography, about where things were, what time. Even heck, even, even though the first episode they gave insight to Vincent Van Gogh, they mentioned how crazy he was. They did not hold back. <laughs> I mean, God. I know, because when they asked the, the curators, like, you know, hey, wait a minute, wasn't uh, Van Gogh the guy who, cut off his, who savagely cut off his ear? Like, yes, he was a very disturbed man. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> you, don't deal, you don't deal with mental illness a lot in, in animation. No, not at all, uh-uh. Again, uh, a wonderful voice cast in animation as well. Um, who's the studio behind this one again? 
so Scott Menville plays the kid. Um, we have Rita Moreno, who is Carmen Sandiego. She is very well known for like singing, dancing kind of stuff. I think she was in um, not Ruthless People. Dan- well, maybe it was Ruthless People. Um, the one with Danny DeVito and Bette Midler. I think she's the love interest in that one. I could be wrong. Um, let me look at this real quick. Wow, 85. She's still uh-huh. ticking along. She looks amazing for 85. Holy shit. Um, uh, she was on Oz for six seasons. She was on The Electric Company for six years. Very well known for King and I, The West Side Story. Uh, oh, of course. Duh, she's in West Side Story. How'd I fucking forget that? Rita Moreno. <gasps> Duh. Um, she's in some oh movie God. where she's teaching somebody to dance and he keeps stepping on her feet. And for life, I can't remember what that is. Let me look at this filmography. Um, uh, let's see, Italian. Uh, Angus. She's an Angus. I don't know if you've ever seen that with George C. Scott. Um, and, uh, uh, who's the lady in misery again? Oh, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Uh, really great movie. Um, she teaches Angus how to dance and he's kind of a big clumsy kid and, and he keeps stepping on her feet. That's one thing I really remember her from. Um, she did voice work for Rio, uh, 2, um, Scooby-Doo and the Monster of Mexico. Uh, let's see what else here. She was a regular on the 9 to 5 TV show. She got nominated for two Emmys and a a gold globe for a show that probably lasted one season. (laughs) Jeez. She was also in Slums with Beverly Hills. Yeah, that's a good flick. Um, I don't think a lot of people know about that now. She still works regularly. I mean, she's 85, but she's kicking ass, and she looks really fit. She doesn't age like... Um, normal people do. I think she might be a, a succubus. <laughs> she might, or she, yeah, she might be an elder vampire queen. <laughs> like with uh, Gwen Stefani and El Cool J and Pharrell. Oh my god. Um, who else? Uh, we have Jennifer Hale, oh, who I cool. think is a Canadian actress. I know the name. Uh, I thought it was odd that this was yeah. produced by Michael Uslin, who, um, for the longest time, and uh, Michael Uslin owned the rights to Batman for film. Um, so you'll see his name on most of the live-action Batman movies. Oh yeah, definitely. He'll, yeah, he'll also he was definitely involved with the uh, Warner Brothers uh, comic book par- uh, character-based films. Uh, he was a producer on. Um, I know he was on Superman Retur- uh, Superman Returns, and I think he might be might have been on Man of Steel as well. Because without him, I don't think Warner Brothers would he be able to. Heck, they wouldn't even have gotten Batman off the ground. Probably not. I, I there's a. Um... I can't remember the name of the podcast. There's a podcast where they interview him about the struggles that he went through for nearly a decade trying to get this thing on film, and just it was torturous. But he held on to the rights. He li- he licensed them when Warner Brothers didn't care, which seems strange because uh, Superman was a huge hit. You think they would have like tried to get it back? Uh, Jennifer Hale. Uh, oh. I was right. She is a Canadian actress uh, known for a lot of video game stuff. I think you were men- you mentioned her name earlier this year. Uh, she did Baldur's Gate, yeah. Mass Effect, Metroid Prime, Metal Gear Solid, Bioshock. And the Knights of the Old Republic uh, video game. She is recognized yeah. by the Guinness World Records for the most prolific video game voice actress, uh, uh, female. Oh God, I know. She's in almost everything. It's it's crazy. She's even in the <clears throat> she's even in the video game uh, For Honor, and uh, Aven- she was Aven- she's in Avengers Assemble. She's in again. She's like one of the most well known voice actors. Her and Cam Clark, they are in everything. Yeah. Every- uh- when it comes to voiceover work, uh, she has this cartoon. She also has The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, Powerpuff Girls, Codename Kids Next Door, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and The Legend of Korra, or, or some of the more significant stuff. And, oh, yeah. She was also uh, Killer Frost in Assault on Arkham, the Batman animated movie. Cool. Yeah. Roger Bumpus oh, yeah, is also... a name I don't recognize. He is the other main cast member. I have to look him up here. 
Oh, wow. Come on. Okay, Roger Bumpus, known for uh, Squidwards uh, on uh, SpongeBob. Squidward. I've never seen SpongeBob SquarePants. Squidward. He's the bad guy, right? Squidward's the or big... Not, not really the bad guy, no. but like the cranky guy. Yeah, he's the cranky uh, little squid guy with a big old nose. Uh, Kids from Room 402, which I've never heard of, and this. Um, uh, he's in Heavy Metal, Alvin, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Mighty Mouse, The New Adventures, which is amazing. Ring Raiders, uh, highly underrated. Most people have never even heard of Ring Raiders. I love it. Uh, Tailspin, Tiny Toot Adventures, The Toxic Crusaders, Raw Tunage. There was a problem with child cartoons? Seriously? What? Yeah. <laughs> of all the next... Well, I mean, it would kind of, you can see how it kind of works. It's like a Dennis the Menace, but for, you know... I guess, adults. right? Like a, yeah. It's almost like Dennis the Menace. Dennis the Menace on crack. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could go on, but those are some of the significant stuff that, you know, from the the first ten years. Uh, he's from Disco... What the hell is Disco Beaver from Outer Space? I must know what this is. <laughs> he was in Escape what? from New York? The Running Man? Who did he play in Escape from New York? I don't know. It doesn't say. Uh, he's also in Biodome, which I love and nobody else does. <laughs> I like Biodome, too. I mean... Uh, it definitely, for me personally, I, I I always get like a real kick out of it, especially with uh, Stephen Baldwin and um, Holly Shore when they do the little tribal dance. Squirrely, <laughs> squirrel, <laughs> making a filter, making <laughs> a filter, <laughs> making a filter. <laughs> I love the part where they get the laughing gas and he has the thing on. He's like, I'm a duck bill platypus. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, so, uh, Where on Earth in Car uh, is Carmen Sandiego, I think started off as, of course, like a software game, one of those point-and-click kind of puzzle games that were so popular in the early 90s, which I had no patience for. <laughs> right. Heck, even the, even if you, uh, as you watch the intro and, like, uh, the ending of the episode, it's always a kid in front of a computer trying to catch Carmen. It's, it's kind of weird, too. I'm like, is Carmen this actual AI causing all these troubles, and this kid is, trying, uh, is like, I'm... Um, Unknowingly, actually going after it, thinking it's a video game. <laughs> Dude, I can't hear you. I'm surprised, at all. like, <laughs> I can't hear you at all. The whole last sentence was nothing. Okay. What about now? Ah, your mouth is good. Okay. Well, anyway, as I was saying, like, what if this kid's like actually combating an AI and thinking it's a video game, and the next thing you know, the FBI and the feds are at his doorstep, going, "Hey, we need your help. We need your assistance on catching catching this uh, master thief." Yeah. It's like, holy shit! <laughs> I'm a hacker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus, you never even find out who that kid is, do you? I don't know. I, I never made it past one episode. I gotta tell you, I didn't. I, I mean, it's, it's. I guess it's fine, but it's just not my interest. Um, this thing lasted yeah, four I mean, years. I, I'm shocked. And I guess they had spinoffs of it, of course, and they had the video game continuations. Uh, is Tim Curry in every cartoon in the early '90s? Because I swear, every time we discuss one, Tim Curry's name pops up. Oh my god, yeah, that. While Thornberries, um, heck, even in a few episodes of Rugrats. Well, Pirates oh. of Darkwater. Pirates of Darkwater. Um, oh, yeah, Peter Pan and the Pirates. He was Captain Hook. Oh, Jesus. And wasn't he originally supposed to be Joker, and then uh, Mark Hamill came in, and they, and they redid it? Am I wrong? I think so, maybe. But it's kind of a good thing, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Tim Curry, but I think Mark just, like, oh, really... Oh, yeah, knocks out of the park. Um, here are oh, some of the God, famous yes, names that were uh, guests on this cartoon, because I'm surprised there's so many of them. Uh, we got James Avery, who was the dad on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, Jim Belushi, Jason Bernard. Do you know who Jason Bernard is? Jason Bernard. It sounds awfully familiar. There was a TV show I watched, like a fiend, when I was a child called Herman's Head, and he played uh, Herman's boss. Huh. 
Now Herman's head, it's like it was set in an office place, but whenever um, Herman would have like stressful moments, it would zip into his head, and you have four different personalities, and they would argue and debate out the situation. There was like the sensitive one, the slob, the uh, the brainiac, and, and they would. Uh, I think there was someone else I can't remember, like the logic, and, and and they would always argue. No, but it sounds very funny. Who started in that? Uh, it was William Ragsdale from uh, Fright Night. Oh my God! Oh fuck! Yeah, it aired after Living Color. Um, in Living Color was like the lead-in for the first couple of seasons, and I think the third season it moved over to something else, and then it got canceled because it just couldn't hold the ratings. No, oh, damn it. Well, I'll definitely have to look into it. Uh, we have There's Dorian Harewood, who is a great Canadian actress. Jess Harnell. Jess, actor, I should say. Dorian is a, a man. Uh, Jess Harnell, who we love. Uh, yeah. Favorite's probably going to be... Ali. What's that? Tatiana Ali, a guest star on that as well. Oh, yeah, Fresh Prince, another one. Um... Just Harnell, of course, from Animaniacs. Um, we have uh, Clyde Casuto. If you click on him, you'll know his face. He's like in every TV show in the 80s and 90s. Um, oh, wow. Gary Owens, who passed away a couple years ago. We did a tribute episode to him. Um, known especially for like laughing, being the announcer on that. Um, and then we have Maurice LaMarche, uh, Brain from Pinky the Brain. Uh, did pretty much every cartoon from this time period. Oh my god, yeah, especially when it came to like a sinister or a parody of like a certain um, mad scientist. Right. Uh, Shout Factory has released uh, the first season of this out on DVDs, but uh, sales were shitty, so they didn't bother to do any more. But uh, Mill Creek Entertainment licensed the rights. They dumped them out on disc uh, for like like five bucks. It's really cheap to find this show. Um, I'm not sure if it's worth it, but oh, hey, wow. if you're a fan, you're a fan. I'm not going to insult you for liking it. I just, you, you have certain tastes for certain cartoons. I'm not an edutainment one. I only like uh, Hysteria and um, Animaniacs, really, for uh, learning stuff. Oh, yeah, Animaniacs. Oh, yeah, definitely teach you, how, teach you some slapstick. Yeah. Some comedic, comedic timing and some wit. And, um, oh, gosh, what's the kind of style humor they used? Like, they, see, they ask them a question, they well, bring up a... It's kind of vaudevillian. It's old yeah. school kind of humor, but mixed with uh, edutainment. But it found a way to be highly entertaining without uh, bogging you down in the details. Yeah, no, I like how uh, Ivy, the uh, the female the the female detective, the main character of the show, pretty much like didn't need help from anybody. She'd kick anyone's ass. Yeah, that was another thing—a strong female character, and um, even a strong villain being Carmen Sandiego. Yeah, both are produced by Deke Entertainment. Hanna Barbera would take over for the last three seasons of Captain Planet. Uh, Deke stuck around, I think, for the whole run of Carmen. Um, this is created by Phil Harnish. Now, I'm looking up his film, uh, filmography, and he's done a lot of shit. Like, a lot, a lot. Uh, he started on Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, which one day I hope that we'll be able to discuss without the stigma of what happened a couple years ago, which still, oddly enough, has not been resolved. It's been like three years. That seems strange. Or well, what happened? You know, with Bill Cosby, you know, oh, the thing. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> Uh, other animated shows he was involved in, Maxie's World, which I've never heard of, uh, Alf Tales, The Super Mario Brothers Super Show, Ring Raiders, Camp Candy, uh, Mario Brothers 3 Show, Where's Waldo, which I, I had contemplated, because that kind of goes with it, but we, we put it off, um, Super Mario World, Captain Zed in the Z-Zone, I've never heard of that, no. <laughs> oh, Captain shit. Captain Zed in the Z-Zone, Captain Zed in the I can't even say that fast. Nope. Damn it. He <laughs> is responsible, that son of a bitch, for Battletoads. Mother. Uh, our, our lost hey, episode. Get <laughs> we uh, in our very first season, I think about our fifth episode, we did Battletoads. 
and we found ourselves about halfway through going god damn it i hate this fucking thing and then we just shut it off we stopped recording we threw away the episode (laughs) it was so bad it was such a piece of shit oh fuck and then i think we ended up just talking about like caddyshack for two hours (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> we did oh that's right yeah we did a little commentary oh man that was funny uh here's some other ones and uh, i kind of want to discuss all these cartoons uh on the show um so we have okay so we did uh, adventures of sonic the hedgehog uh a double dragon i want to do um mm. mummies alive the wacky world of tex avery extreme dinosaurs sherlock holmes in the 22nd century which i actually quite a bit i dug that show it was good um archie's weird right, mysteries yeah. Stargate Infinity and Crypto the Super Dog. Oh, that's right. Crypto did have his own show, and he did. That's right. He had other superhero dogs on there too, like Bat Dog and all that. Yeah, that was not. A, that's like, a, they made that up for the show. I don't think that was a thing in, in DC Comics. Oh yeah, no, they definitely. I know exactly that wasn't. They had to make that up just for the show. Batman. Uh, he does have a dog in Batman Beyond. That giant, like Great Dane Nick Max. That's what his name was. Hey, um, I'm looking oh. up right now. Deke Entertainment. Their stock exchange name, I shit you not, is not Deke Entertainment. It's DHX Media, which means Dick's Media. Dick's Media. And they don't produce porn. (laughs) They just don't think things out. No, they don't. They never do. Everybody these days, everything has to sound like a fucking innuendo. Yeah, uh, this... I gotta put that away. I gotta put that away. Um, Uh. Broaderbund is out of Eugene, Oregon. I'm actually stunned about this. Made a shit ton of money from Print Shop, Printmaster, and of course this game. Guess what? They fucking lost everything in 1998. Uh, sold it off to the Learning Company, and they shut down all their divisions. Oh, God. Yeah, they still own the rights to a lot of their stuff, because it looks like they continued after they sold. Um, said they sold their entertainment holdings to Ubisoft, so Ubisoft owns uh, the Irish developing company River Deep and also the Mist series. Hmm. Mist, a game I also up. never played because it was a point-and-click game, which bored the shit out of me. Oh shit, they're oh, responsible God, no. for Prince of Persia. Oh wow, I didn't know that. And Load Runner, which Ubisoft. always sounds like um, a Load Runner sounds like a guy who's running to the bathroom because he's got to poop so bad. I'm a load runner. I gotta go. <laughs> I'm carrying a giant load. I need to get rid of it now. Oh, they they created something called the U Force, which I I vaguely remember as like an extra for the NES. Like it would sense your hand movements and, and voice. I think. Huh. So, so pretty I, much like a PlayStation camera. Kind of. Like well, think about it though. You're talking in 1989 was probably where they developed it, and they're in fire, 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 jump, fire, fire, jump, jump, jump. Oh. <laughs> It's so annoying to anybody who's in the house of this person. <laughs> God, yes. Oh, most likely. Oh, man, I couldn't do that. Broader no, Bun stands for like Band of Brothers. Huh. Oh, wow. So, I guess, um, what, are we, what is it about that particular uh, company? What do they What do? They do? Broader Bun, well, they're the ones that developed this game. The Where on Earth is Carmen, or Where in Time is Carmen Sandiego, or whatever spinoff it was. Carmen Sandiego, San Diego. Broader Buns. Yeah. I know, it almost sounds like you said broader buns. It sounds like a softcore porn. Oh, yeah. I want some broader buns with my dicks media. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when we started this show three years ago? We were like, okay, we got to stay PG, no cussing, and it is completely derailed because this is not how we talk. Oh, God, of course not. No, 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 no. I mean, this is how we usually talk outside. Yeah. Right. But we have to be professional because we think of the children. Well, you know what? They learn it from mommy and daddy uh, sometime soon, so fuck it. 
Yeah. All right, everybody. So I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, I know we didn't touch too much on the mythos of those two worlds. You watched Captain Planet way more than I ever did. Had you ever seen uh, Carmen San Diego before? Yes, I did actually. When I was a kid, I did watch it. It was on a special uh, cartoon block. Oh, okay. Oh, my God, it was. I forget which channel it was. Fox. But, um, I'm pretty sure it was Fox. Oh yeah, no, it definitely had to be Fox. Oh God, yes, everything is on Fox. I have That's all the major cartoons were. Yeah, if you look at the '90s, everything either switched to ABC or Fox. Um, and then you fast forward to the year 2000, it's basically just Fox and, uh, <laughs> and then that was Fox, it. that, and WB. Yeah. Oh, yeah, WB, WB had the black and So cable kind of took over for that. Um, yeah. I, I, I have fond memories of watching the live-action Carmen San Diego because when you got grounded, I was only allowed to watch two TV shows, Square One and Carmen San Diego because they were educational. Um, so I, I, enjoy, I relished that hour. <laughs> Otherwise, I had to do That's homework. That's right, that's right, and they traveled through time, and they had people dressed up as, like, fictional characters. Like, oh, Mark yeah, 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 like I remember that. that. They'd help figure out, help figure the clues. You know, really bring their, you know, detectives, you know, these kids' detective skills and critical thinking skills to light, you know. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, oh, hey, you're, um, you get a 4.5 GPA in high school. Way to fucking go, kid. <laughs> <laughs> where, on, anyway. where on earth is my college tuition? <laughs> Oh God! Hopefully, hopefully it gets lost just like my debt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so um, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, next episode, I think we have on our list. Of course, I lost the fucking list. What's next, Jacob? Just pick something. <laughs> we'll go with that. Oh gosh, uh, what was one of the ones you mentioned a minute ago that I liked? Oh, Double Dragon. Think... Let's talk about Double Dragon. Double Dragon. We'll finally we'll stop putting that off. Double Dragon. We'll find something to go with that. Something either with dragons or fighting or I don't know what. Um. So that'll oh, be yeah. our next episode. The Karate Kid. What? Oh, yes. Well, no. We said we're going to do Karate Kid as a franchise frenzy because franchise frenzy is different. No. That's where we discuss everything in that world. So oh, we discuss, sorry. like, the toys, the comics, oh. the, the cartoons, the movies. Right. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. One more thing I do want to say. Like, if, surprisingly, Carmen Sandiego and Waldo, like, if they were to ever have a kid. No one would again, know where the hell just... they were at any time. Where's mom and dad? And then they'd probably get, and that's, and that's how everybody would find Waldo and Carmen San Diego. They just lock him up for child abandonment because they can't find their kid. Right, that's why they're on the run in the first place. And the only time anybody ever oh found them God. is when they were together. Ooh, sorry, this is what they mean by Dick's Media. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much all I have left to say about that. Yeah, can I tell you that in high school I wore a striped shirt right around the time of Where's Waldo being popular? And, uh, and then it became of, hey, what's up, Waldo? What's up, Waldo? Hey, Waldo. And then it turned into, hey, Dildo. <laughs> How's it going, Dildo? I hate high school. Oh, God, what a bunch of, oh, high God, what a bunch of assholes. I know. It right? might have been like a, oh, God, Dildo. That's like a duck. Oh, jeez. I honestly could not, honestly, you know, multicolored Dildos like that, it, it, has to, it has to be something out of Dr. Seuss. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. We'll we'll find something to go with Double Dragon. Maybe another video game one that we missed somewhere. Um. Or a fighting one. Or me, Chuck Norris and the Karate Commandos. <laughs> oh my God, fucking Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> he runs so fast he can punch himself in the back of the head. <laughs> oh no, he runs around the world so fast he can punch himself in the back of the head. That's how it goes. I ruined that. Sorry, everybody. Uh Hey, oh, have we oh, padded this I'm episode over, I'm enough? Chuck Norris joke. <laughs> okay, so before you go, <laughs> go over to Amazon, get a cheap ebook. It's quick, it's easy, it's fun. It's called Totally True Tales: The Epic Life of Manchester Steel. Roten, uh, Roten. <laughs> That's a shotgun of this. Roten. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. 
<laughs> Written Throw by me, up. Michael Cook. Um, it's only a few bucks. It's about a compulsive liar and his uh, frustrated editor that's trying to get him to tell the truth. Um, that's it. Uh, everybody have a good night. And Jacob, send us out. All right. Namaste. Good luck, my friends. All right. Let's get ready to blast off. Everybody, welcome to Comics on Infinite Earths. I'm your host, Michael, and this week William is joining me again. How's it going, William? Oh, very good. Uh, that was a very, very hip, uh, trippy little opening song. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was trying to think of what uh, track to use. I have like a whole bunch of songs with the word time in it. You know, Billy Joel, uh, uh, you know, mm. Longest Time, and then there was Time After Time by Cindy Lauper, and then Too Much Time in My Hands by Sticks. I didn't know what to use, but I thought, let's use something a little more obscure and something more instrumental. Um, so the reason we're talking mm. about time is because this, uh, I almost said this issue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, this sure. episode, we're talking about Booster Gold, and his big thing is traveling through time. Yes, it is. Hey, by the way, did you know that um, supposedly Warner Brothers is working on a Booster Gold movie? I, throw that out there. I've heard rumors. Heard? That, I know there was a pilot for a while that they wrote. I think um, they, they decided to pass on it, but if you look at Legends of Tomorrow, uh, I think the plot setup was going to be the same. Now, there's two different versions maybe three different versions of Booster Gold that we know. We know the original series version, which we're going to discuss. Um, we know the goofy uh, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle combo. And then there's the version that came up about five or six years ago where he was kind of a time-traveling hero, fixing things here and there and finding alternate timelines. Um, and, and that one, I guess, is more like the way Legends of Tomorrow is, if you've seen that show. Okay. No, I've not seen him on there. I I wasn't even sure he was definitely on there. No, he's, was, he's not. I had he's read not. rumors. No, uh, he was on an okay. episode of Smallville, and I think that's it so far. But um, if you're going to write a pilot for Booster Gold, I imagine it was going to be a time-traveling kind of thing. No, the Legends of Tomorrow is uh, focused on Rip Hunter and the team that he builds, and Booster Gold is not part of it. Oh, that's too bad. I mean, considering Rip Hunter helped Booster Gold uh, become what he is, basically. Yeah. Well, sort of. <laughs> well, he's important to this first series. We're going to be discussing, and it was so hard to find. I was looking for the Showcase Presents collected edition of the first Booster Gold series, which was 24 issues and I think one annual. And boy, cost me a pretty penny. And then I, when I was done with it, I sent it to you so you could read it. And that's I'm finally glad we're able to do this episode. Um, the original... 24 um, issues uh, by Dan Jurgens and for the life of me now I can't remember the artist. Who was the artist in the beginning? Uh, I was going to say Dan Jurgens. No, it's um, oh yeah, Dan Jurgens is the artist too. Oh okay, okay, Whoa. okay. I didn't realize that. I must be confused because I read this in the <laughs> showcase for Blue Beetle at the same time. I, I for some reason I thought Collie Hammer was the artist on Booster Gold, but maybe he's the artist on Blue Beetle. Hmm. It looks like Mike DiCarlo did most of the uh, ink. Okay, yeah, DiCarlo is kind of a guy that's forgotten, but um, I wonder if he's related to Dan DiCarlo. Hmm. Uh, 
Um, I don't know. I see the later issues are by Arnie Starr, by the way. But oh, wait, okay. no, still Dan Jurgens, uh, mostly Dan Jurgens, still penciling Arnie Starr inker. Okay. Yeah, this is during the era where the writer artist was starting to grow. I think one of the first significant writer artists that we had seen was probably Mike Grell. Uh, by the 80s, Dan Jurgens was a strong force who would be the key guy behind Death of Superman. Um, the yeah, 90s kind of. The '90s kind of fucked it up by letting all these art, <laughs> these artists write. Not everyone's a good artist, because if you look at the image line, that was a terrible mistake. Uh, the what image line? Yes, yeah. that that was where just because you can do really pretty art doesn't mean you have any original ideas. Uh, <laughs> as we learned, I think I think basically we, we got uh, Eric Larson. Uh, that's about it. Um, but Dan Jurgens mm-hmm. was kind of an anomaly during this time period uh, where he was at a major label doing both writing and uh, um, drawing. Yeah, that's kind of early for that, huh, 1985. Hmm. Um, so time. Booster Gold, that surprised me. I'd only ever read a couple issues. I know you were a big reader of this when we were kids, and it, it kind of just like, ah, grab an issue here and there and read it, but I didn't really understand it because it was out of context. Um, <laughs> Booster Gold was more serious before he joined Justice League. Uh, yes. Did he join Justice League Europe, or was it uh, the main one? No, it was international. It was when they rebooted it after oh. Legends came out, where it was uh, Shazam, Batman, Guy Gardner, um, Fire and Ice, uh, and, and Blue and Gold. Hmm. I think there's a couple others in there, maybe Martian Manhunter. But it's when they started to take a more uh, humorous turn, um, and then they made mm-hmm. Booster Gold and Blue Beetle kind of like uh, goofball con men who they could do their job, but when it was like not on the clock, it was more entertaining than anything else. Okay, uh, yeah, Booster Gold was serious, but I have to tell you, I had an entirely different experience reading this again. Uh, what thirty years later? Yeah, uh, wow, it's been than I did. Yeah, than I did as a child. Um, I would call this serious, I guess. But Booster Gold is, is just not what I remember him to be. And I'm going to blame that on uh, it was the 80s, the time of Reagan, when a uh, money-grubbing <laughs> jock with a, with a temper problem was probably a pretty normal hero, maybe. Yeah, the blonde hair, blue eye, white guy uh, with the, the coif hairdo. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that, that standard hairdo you saw throughout the 70s, I blame Neil Adams for popularizing that look. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't remember Booster being, uh, so... Republican? Just mouthy. <laughs> yeah, that too. He's just so mouthy. He's not willing to, like, have a conversation with anybody, basically. Yeah. People will start a conversation with him, and then he just interrupts them over and over with really brash statements. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, if I don't you know look... if that was your impression. I think I don't know if people really know Booster Gold's origin, but he was a fraud and basically got caught up in this whole con for fixing a game as an athlete in the future. What twenty fourth century? Yeah, in uh, I believe twenty four sixty two. Yeah, wait, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was an athlete. He yeah, got busted a... for it and then uh, kicked out of it. He was like a janitor or something at some sort of museum. Yes, and he it. It had just happens to be the museum which has uh, Rip Hunter's time machine and everything ever used by <laughs> most of the world's superheroes, I guess. You kind of think there'd be a heavier yeah. like level of security at something like this instead of just like, hey, a janitor decides to grab a Legionnaire's ring and this costume and uses Rip Hunter's machine. 
Yeah, it, it's just kind of amazing how much power is in that place. And it, it it's not locked down. It's just like it's standing around on mannequins. <laughs> not very smart. Yeah, I'm sure if they rewrote it now, there's no way that would happen. That's just complete incompetence. Um, but that's what he does. He steals the stuff and then comes to our time looking to be rich and famous, which if you look during the 80s is when we fetishize being rich and famous. You know, there's Dynasty and Dallas and Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And the whole Republican ideal was, uh, you know, greed, you know, and, and power. And now you look at it just thinking that's insane. Why would anybody do that? But it turns out a big chunk of this country still fetishizes it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think I thought there was anything wrong with Booster when I started reading it. I think, I think that's part of what attracted me even was, um, I don't know, like how different he was from Batman or Superman or people like that. He was, he was really out there and uh, confident and uh, I don't know. Yes, and just all about the money and, and uh, making the world know him. I don't know. Yeah, it also seemed like a commentary just, on I'm like... Now. It seemed like a commentary on, on the growing um, commercialization of sports. You know, he was always looking for com- uh, promotions, like commercials and getting labels. I think at one time he even got company names put on his costume. Um, that might be right. I know. I know he uh, has like Toyota make his booster mobile, <laughs> which is a really weird move. And then he gets all pissed off that they start actually producing booster mobiles for the public. Yeah. Well, why did he even like, need a no. car? He had yeah. a suit. Yeah, he can fly. I, I don't know what the point of. You know, he doesn't need a Batmobile that can do special stuff. Um, yeah, and he doesn't need help getting anywhere, does he? He just he just wanted it for vanity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Really to show off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of his story. He comes from he comes from the future. He comes back here, and so now he knows like what stocks are going to be good. So he makes a, a you know fortune on the stock market pretty quickly. Um, he kind of like just sells himself to everything he possibly can uh, for merchandising, including a comic book. I thought that was kind of a sort of a meta thing that they're making a booster comic book in this comic. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the creators get killed also. Oh, yeah, that's messed up. You know, what's funny is um, on the exact opposite side of that is over in the Marvel Universe, uh, they had the Captain America comic book, but Captain America drew it himself. Hmm? Do you remember this? I do not remember Steve that. Rogers drew his own comic no. book. If you remember the Scourge storyline, which one day we're going to discuss because next month the entire mm. Scourge storyline gets released in a trade paperback. And... um. Oh, my Ooh. God, I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite storylines. But there is, I think, Captain America 319, which I think you still might have. Um, right before he gets mm-hmm. to Scourge, he's in his cabin drawing the newest issue of Captain America when Scourge attacks. Oh, wait. Yeah, oh, that's so weird that that does ring a bell. Oh, my gosh. But with Booster, How did that happen? <laughs> Booster had no talent whatsoever, so he would just hire the people. That's what he basically did. He had just the vaguest knowledge of history because he didn't pay attention. And... Um, would hire people to do the work for him. Let me think. A blonde guy in the 80s with no actual talent, wanting greed, and didn't really have the, the skills to make it happen, but only knew how to hire the people to make him rich. Who does that sound like? Hmm. Oh, yeah. A little <laughs> more orange, but yeah. <laughs> Captain Orange. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it also kind of sounds like a lot of the reality these stars of today yeah a little bit like the kardashians and things like that where 
they don't really have any talent. They just want to be famous, and they're putting themselves out there as much as they possibly can. Yeah, I mean, at least yeah. he didn't have to put out a porno tape of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but here's he the thing: is that, that but Booster does have a heart. It just takes a long time to get to it. This this whole twenty four issue arc is him going from egomaniacal, like uh, do anything for the money, and eventually becoming the hero he needs to be. Therefore, when he does join the Justice League, um, you understand that he's earned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he uh, not to spoil too much, but it, it's kind of a riches to rags or uh, something like that. Going yeah. from being so superficial to uh, being more just about, you know, what he's actually fighting for by yeah. the end of it. Yeah, and they've done that before, and it... Actually, no, have they ever done that before? That seems like a thing more currently where they'll take a star who has tons of money and strip them of it. They did that with Green Arrow. Um, I feel like there's somebody mm-hmm. else they took all the money away. Uh, Wonder Man, of course, he was a movie star for a while and, and lost that. Um, yeah. That's an episode we should well, do. Well, Daredevil, but yeah. what's that? Um, I have this weird fascination uh, with know. Wonder Man, but I've never really wa- I've never really read like yeah. his own series or even hardly any of the West Coast Avengers, but something about his character fascinates me. Hmm. Um... Yeah, he fascinated me during the 80s also, and I, but I didn't follow him after, like, about 1991. I'm not sure what all he's been up to. Yeah. Um, so let's look at the villains in, in Booster Gold. Now, I have on the other side of this card uh, my notes for Blue Beetle, and you look at the villains for Blue Beetle compared to the villains in Booster Gold, it seems like everybody in the Blue Beetle world was either, like, regurgitated villains that weren't good enough for other heroes, but Dan Jurgens was smart enough to create all new villains, for the most part. Um, but I, the funny thing is, I haven't heard of any of these people since. Uh, Blackguard, Mind Dancer, Shockwave, and the main villains being The Thousand. These these are people who, um, who basically were the main villains behind everybody. Like, the, what do you call it? Like, um, uh... Oh damn it! What's the like team? Hydra? Yeah, like Hydra. Yeah, like that kind of thing. But in DC's universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of interesting. They reminded me of the kind of stuff uh, that Deadpool has often had to deal with, where it's like big shadowy organizations with lots of lackeys. Hydra is one of them, but he it seems like Deadpool's fought like ten different things like that with various yeah uh, different names and ideologies. Well, I would love to see, uh, the, to bring the thousand back, like this under the radar, kind of, they look like normal everyday people, but they're actually working for like, you know, Cobra or, uh, Brother Blood or something, or they're the ones who supply the henchmen. Who gets, how do you get all of these henchmen? I don't understand how it happens. Yeah, I don't know where they come from, why they're, why they're so interested in, in that lifestyle, uh, especially because they, they pretty much all die. Yeah, I know. It's uh, like, who but... signs up for that? <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, they were interesting, and, and they had like an interesting take on or uh, twist on that, where um, a senator was involved with the organization, right? Uh, undercover, but um, yeah, and you know, uh, I guess Lex Luthor gets involved, um, but once again, he he brings people into play that I've never seen before, um, and then uh, he ends up going to another dimension. And we have some aliens that, that I guess showed up in Teen Titans at some point, but uh, I don't remember anything about him. Well, does he go to another dimension, or did he go to his future? I feel like he went to his future to get his sister, but there he was a wanted criminal. Or is this a different story? Boy, I wish we had done this episode. Oh, already. yeah, different storyline. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, he does bring his sister back from the future, uh, but then he also he goes to, uh, I guess the Teen Titans called it Dimension X, and Booster actually makes fun of it. He's like, they just called it Dimension X, like some <laughs> old Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, boy, that, um, rain, that rain's getting stronger out there. Can you hear it? Uh-oh. <laughs> nope, I can't. Uh, Oregon Good, sucks sometimes. Um, we also get a visit from the Legionnaires <laughs> wanting their ring back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I, I'm thinking that's what makes him go into the future, but no, I guess not. No, he talks him out of it. Yeah. After uh, <laughs> I have never read Legion or Legion of Superheroes or Legionnaires, any of that world. I've never read a single issue. Mm. Um, I've read very, very little also. Uh, for some reason, I just, excuse me, I didn't uh, take it as canon or something almost. Yeah. Like, well, because it's, it's, so, it's, yeah, you know, so it's, far in the future and... Yeah, it's not tangible to what's going on in the major events. It always seems like this little outside thing, like the way, um, uh, like New Universe. It wasn't really part of Marvel, or um, it almost feels like like Elseworlds kind of thing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. At some point, I want to talk about a couple pet peeves with the series. No, uh, go ahead. You know, yeah, it's pretty entertaining. It in some ways it's better than I remember because I didn't read some of these partly. Um. And there are some very serious storylines where people die or get kidnapped, etc. Um, but just sometimes it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, it, for some reason, for the last, like, 10, 15 uh, issues of the series, I kept thinking back to this earlier uh, issue where I'm pretty sure they said that Booster only had, like, $2.7 million in cash or mm-hmm. something like that. But they acted like that was his, his um, net worth at that time. Now, that can't be true. I, I need to go find that again and see how exactly they worded it. Because then I ended up reading the rest of it, and I'm like, well, how is he buying, like, billion-dollar corporations and all this? He does a lot of things that just don't make sense if right. that's how much money he had. Well, so, I mean, if he had cash, on, if that's 2.7 cash, you know, like what's available, we call that liquid assets uh, and not counting, like, yeah. the properties that he owns. But still, no, 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 unless you're selling a company – or a building or something like that in order to get the money to buy the other thing. Yeah, you know what? That doesn't line up. I mean, things weren't that cheap in the <laughs> 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, they were talking about this $2.7 million, and then it's like two issues later, uh, they have this new mansion, and uh, they've bought up this technology company, and then a couple issues later, they talk about how they just missed out on a deal for a uh, billion-a-year contract <laughs> with... Um, I forget, with the government or something. I'm like, oh my god, how is he dealing on that level? <laughs> he used to only have a few million. Yeah. Oh, how, how is he able to make it? How is he able to do any of this when he has no social security card, he has no real ID, <laughs> uh, he has no birth certificate? How is this possible? <laughs> At some point, do you think the IRS is definitely yeah. going, no, 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 hold on a second. Yeah. I, I just don't. I guess we're just not supposed to think too much about this business stuff and just assume that he's just this. This football guy is just amazing at business. Maybe and, I don't know. He's just uh, killing it somehow. Um, <laughs> I, and, and here's the part, bad part about me writing some notes. I don't know what all of them mean. I wrote, of course, Rip Hunter um, is part of this because mm. he comes crucial. Oh, that's how he ends up in the future. They take his machine into the future, and I think I think mm. his time sphere gets ruined or something like that. And no, you know they have to build a new one, which comes in later with this. There, there is a miniseries about Rip Hunter called Time Masters. It was in 1990, which is actually pretty solid, and it's about him rebuilding the time machine that Booster Gold ruins. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, like I think like three 
Rapunzel machines end up involved here. Like the first one that Booster takes back, and then um, wait, yeah, then the new one that boost that they go into the future again with, and then there's one that um, Legion finds like 500 later, 500 years later. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe that's the second one. Yeah, I was pretty confused. Well, one of them. Ha- but then they had to go one to the one. Yeah, one of them has to exist long enough in order to get into the museum. In order, to, uh, so Booster Gold. I actually think the future that Booster Gold was in is actually a little bit ahead of Legion of Superheroes because they end up with one of the Legionnaire rings and uh, Rip Hunter's time machine. So one of those machines has to end up in that museum. Um, time is screwed up. Time, it's like I Back to the Future when you get yeah, these like little loopholes. You're like, okay, hold on a second. If I change time now, but this thing still exists. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually that um, a couple of the Legion uh, the superheroes people like stayed back further in time and died then and because I think he's in 2462 but the Legion is in like 3010 or something um, yeah I don't know which Legion Legionnaire would be that left it behind yeah, I don't know I, I, I we should probably read works. those one day I've heard there's a, a strong cult following Gene <laughs> follow Gene following for mm-hmm. uh, Legionnaires and there has to be a reason there has to be some reason why it's it's kept going for so many decades yeah, you know, when I think about it, really, it could be kind of like uh, Star Trek with superheroes. That'd be, a, yeah. I guess, a good way to put it. Um, yeah. I wrote down Shockwave. Uh. I don't know why. I wrote down Tricks. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> Rainbow Rider. I don't know why. Attack Dog One. Are these all villains? I don't remember now. Um, yeah, I think I think most of them are. Tricks is his secretary who kind of becomes a superhero okay. during a lot of this. She gets this. Um, yeah, this suit with magnetic powers, and it lets her fly and, um, like, attack anything with metal in it. She's actually uh, not too bad, but uh, did, let's see. I, well, I, I was going to mention one more pet. I thought his sister became a superhero. Go for it. I mean, he wasn't a secretary. Um, oh, just briefly, actually, because first Trixie, and then his sister steals the uniform from their mansion and goes off to, like, New Mexico with it. And uh, is just flying around for the hell of it, and then gets kidnapped though. Oh, okay. By some aliens. <laughs> uh, we get a visit by a very underrated villain, which was a big part of Teen Titans during the '80s, but kind of forgotten now is Cheshire, um, who end up being Speedy's lover, and they have a child together. But she is one seriously deadly assassin. Yeah, yeah, she was pretty cool. Um, and Hawk was in that too, and. He was kind of uh, a bumbling weirdo. <laughs> I, I couldn't really figure him out. He almost I, seemed like he had a like a mental problem of some kind. Oh, he's got issues. I don't know. Okay, so What's I your... just read Armageddon mm. 2001, I think is what it was. Um, the You know that two-part miniseries where it was supposed to reveal that Captain Adam was going to be the big guy that destroys the universe, uh, comes back as monolith or Monarch comes back as Monarch, and then I guess it got revealed, so they changed it the last second to be Hawk. Uh, goes crazy after Dove is killed and becomes uh, Monarch and changes tries to change the future. Uh, I was going to discuss it on the show, but I read it. It's only two issues, and it's fucking terrible. It's one of the worst things that DC's ever put out. We are not going to discuss it besides the fact that it was just awful. But I keep looking at Hawk going, okay, so he's mentally ill. He was part of the Teen Titans. Uh, his costume makes no sense. Why? How do you fight with that big red thing shooting off your shoulders? How, what? <laughs> it's not aerodynamic anymore. Yeah, I, yeah, I was not very impressed with him. Um, but also, yeah, I thought it was interesting that he fell for this scheme that this other guy had about like 
really changing the world, um, like lowering the birth rate and uh, bringing like the population way down. He he didn't realize what was actually going on, but but he wanted to like pretty much destroy the Earth's population. Oh, so like destroying decade. like I don't know healthcare, making all the old and poor people die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but here he just didn't want to be be even born. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um. Yeah, that's a weird arc, but I do like Cheshire. She she's a villain that should be brought back. I think she was briefly part of uh, Villains United with um, Deathstroke or uh, who's the guy with the one eye again? Damn it, uh, Deadshot. Uh, I think she was part of a miniseries with him and Catman. Catman of all people ended up being a cool villain. Who knew? Who knew? It's a terrible name. <laughs> um. Yeah, we got yeah Rain- I did want to mention oh, real quick. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, the, one of the last storylines here is actually uh, I guess it's actually the last storyline is a crossover with Millennium uh, weeks two and three I guess uh-huh. and uh, I don't remember Millennium very well do you, do you know much about it no and that, that'll probably be a future episode because I was going to buy it but it came you end up getting me invasion so I didn't get it yet but I'm gonna wait we're doing a lot of DC stuff right now, okay. so I'm going to wait. I'm going to probably wait till later this summer or maybe for season three. Um, Millennium seems yeah. like a worthy tale, but I don't really know what it's about. So I, I didn't really understand the crossover. <laughs> okay. And by the way, I had the opportunity the other day to buy um, Armageddon 2001 and like a bunch of its crossovers. But I, I guess I'm glad I didn't. You go ahead and <laughs> read them. Just go ahead and read them for your own entertainment. Yeah. Uh, I picked them up thinking it was going to be yeah. a good storyline and found myself going, oh, shit, this is awful. Mm. Okay. But anyway, we have Millennium here. And apparently something's going on where there are these manhunters, but I don't think it's the manhunter that's the superhero. I think maybe there's a, a vague connection. But anyway... They're, like, sending one after every superhero, and so Booster Gold gets his own Manhunter after him. And it turns out to be freaking, uh, what's his name? Vic? Uh, Anyway, the guy who's his right-hand man, uh, his agent, that he's, Dirk Davis, sorry, uh, that he's known all this time, and suddenly he's like some creepy villain, <laughs> and he believes in the yeah, and he believes in the man in the uh, Manhunter's uh, scheme, which is I forget what. Oh, that's right, the Owens, you know, who created Green the Green Lantern. Oh, right, right, right. They want to, yeah, they want to evolve a few humans. Um, uh, I don't know to to show us what we can be or to do. Really, it's because supposedly a few of them will be the chosen ones. It's, at some point in the future. Weird. Um, yeah, anyway. you know what? This is like a kind of interesting storyline. Maybe I should go grab that miniseries and uh, check it out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just did want to mention that although it looks interesting, I, I don't understand the choice of choosing Dirk Davis <laughs> to be a Manhunter. Um, like, it's in the comic, and I still don't believe it. Like, you know, it's canon. <laughs> I don't believe it. Because it's funny. If you say... Have, if you I say... have 20... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, we have 20 issues leading up to this, and Dirk is really fleshed out as a character. He cares about everybody. He loses his daughter almost, and he's shaken to the core about it. You know, he he's not that person that I'm seeing here as the Manhunter. I, I just don't get it. I feel like they just felt like they had to choose somebody close to every one of the heroes 
so they just chose somebody. I yeah. could be wrong. I just don't get that. By the way, Dirk Davis, Manhunter, sounds like a 70s pulp novel. You know, like the Executioner or the Destroyer. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they could have uh, gotten at least 80 paperbacks out of that, I'm sure. <laughs> I have two other notes here. I don't remember these characters. Rainbow Rider and Attack Dog 1. Hmm. Rainbow Rider was uh, kind of an interesting little story. It, it kind of reminded me of something um, that would happen in Spirit, actually. But he was an artist who like freaked out because his artist friend ripped off his ideas and uh but his dad gave him some pair of goggles that gave him weird control over light <laughs> and so he went out and started attacking people and becoming a villain or becoming yeah becoming a criminal making money with it and then he tried to take revenge on the guy who uh ripped off his art that's but, uh, like one of those yeah, shitty was... fill-in spider-man issues you know like in the 200s <laughs> before like you know, a big arc. Like, hey, we need to burn off some. We got Rocket Racer and the next issue, Rainbow Rider. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Kind of like, uh, let's do Shocker, but just with the, the, the light spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and Attack Dog 1. Um, was that like the final villain before uh, Millennium? Uh, I want to say that, that that was put out by LexCorp. Um, oh, boy. I'm having trouble remembering how Attack Dog 1 works. I, I think that, no, let me think. Okay, it was not the cyborg. They sent some cyborg after Superman and blamed it on Booster Gold. Right. Um, but then Attack Dog 1 was actually a, a guy in a in a suit, and I don't know, he just kind of seemed like a lackey. I'm not sure that there was a whole lot to it. Oh, but I think that he was wearing equipment that uh, was made by BGI, which is Booster Gold's company. Once again, trying to pin it on, on Booster. Uh, but, you know, Superman didn't believe it, luckily. And, and uh, they, well, I guess they didn't go after LexCorp, did they? Hmm. They yeah. kind of got away. Yeah, I think they oh, left well. that out of the storyline. <laughs> but, you mm. know, I'll, I'll say this. Um, uh, the Booster Gold series is highly underrated. Sadly, it is severely out of print in its full form. Uh, hopefully DC reprints some of this stuff. Uh, but Booster Gold is a highly underrated hero, which I think only recently with the the Fifty Two series they focused on you know him dealing with Booster Gold or uh, Blue Beetle's death uh, and his focus on mm -hmm. changing time and fixing it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean he's had quite quite a history, and you know, this is his beginning. Um, and especially if he starts showing up in the TV series or they do you know work on the movie a little more, they really need to uh, get this out there. So people can actually read more. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I would also suggest people go check out the uh, JLA or Justice League International because, uh, I don't know, that's, that's a slightly different take on him, but I think he actually might be more entertaining over in that one. Yeah, well, I think he bounces well off of other characters. Um, so I think that's pretty mm -hmm. much it for this episode. Is there anything you want to say before we go? Uh, not really. Uh, I don't have much to plug. Uh, I have a podcast called Comics I Read to You. I am putting out another episode <laughs> next week. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Um, over on Amazon uh, eBooks, you know, on Kindle, I have a book called Totally True Tales: The Epic Life of Manchester Steel. Uh, basically, about a frustrated editor and the man who's writing a book about his life, but completely making it up as he goes along. He's a compulsive liar who's completely out of control. <laughs> mm, sounds very cool. 
Um, so check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. You'll find all our episodes there as well as the other shows that we do. And that is it for tonight. Thank you, everybody. All right. Go read some comic books.